Welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. And today on the show, my old friend, my good buddy, Matt Jackson of Jackson Choppers, legendary, well, legend building, I guess, uh, bike builder, but also legend in my heart for being a member of Coptic Times and Iron Age. More on that in a second, but first, if you want to get in touch with me, you can find me at turnitapunkpodcast at gmail.com, various forms of social media, at Left for Damien. You can find Turn It a Punk on Facebook.com. There's a Turn It a Punk Facebook page run by my brother and show producer, Tristan Abraham. Thank you, Tristan, for all your hard work. Also, Tristan has started running an Instagram page at Turned Out a Punk. If you don't use Facebook and you want to find some of the cool stuff that we post on the Turned Out a Punk Facebook page and hopefully on that Instagram page eventually, you can find that at turnitapunk.tumblr.com. If you'd like to support this show, tell all your friends. Subscribe to it, write a review, rate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's the best way to do that. And thank you to everyone that's written me um, in regards to last week's kind of. Uh, I, I guess, you know, extra episode that we put up about Anthony Bourdain. Uh, I'm doing fine. Thank you, everyone, for expressing concern uh, about me. I hope everyone else is doing pretty good as well. So thank you for your emails. Um, and, yeah, and also thank you very much to the support for this podcast provided by the fine folks at Vans. Vans has come aboard oh, for a while now and said, just keep doing your podcast. Book whoever you want to book. One week you can have... The Melvin's on. The next week, you can have uh, a master bike builder on. We just want you to keep doing your show. And uh, they are doing some cool things themselves this summer. They've got the House of Vans coming back. Of course, House of Vans is the, I guess, almost summer institution right now in Chicago and New York where Vans has been putting on these parties, giant, awesome house parties, basically, for years with skateboarding, art. This summer is no exception. Coming up on June 21st, there's a House of Vans curated by Ice Age. I toured with those guys a long, long time ago. That's so funny. Also, uh, Slow Dive is going to be doing a house party. Slow Dive? How fucking awesome is that? The Dead Milkmen, uh, Suicidal Tendencies, Pennywise, special guests that haven't been announced yet, but I heard a rumor and it's pretty insane. Uh, so you can find all that information over there at www.vans.com slash house dash of dash vans dot html. You got to get into those uh, guest list things early, though. They do fill up because, trust me, it's a, it's a free show with an incredible band. Suicidal Tendencies, just going to be recording their, just playing their first LP, start to finish. So, you know, well worth uh, figuring out how to get on the guest list. So thank you, Vance, for that. And thank you, Vance, for supporting this show. Speaking of the show, this week on this show, my friend Matt Jackson. Now, Matt's someone I've known for a very long time. Played a lot of shows with him over the years in Iron Age, when he was back in Iron Age. And then I was a fan of his other band, Coptic Times. I think we might have played one show with Coptic Times. Might be mistaken on that. I thought we did, but maybe not. Um, but he's someone that I've also now seen go on and kind of blossom into a completely different career. He's a master bike builder in Austin now, very well respected, winner of all sorts of awards, does these incredible Harley Davidson rebuilds. Certainly not anything I'm an expert in, 
But I, you know, I've always loved this guy and always thought he was an awesome dude, but it's amazing to watch sort of like the journeys people go on. And I think Iron Age of any punk band, any hardcore band I've ever met have had the members that have gone on the most incredible journeys. At one point, there is a epic, epic book to be written about Iron Age. When all the stories are finally legally allowed to be told, because there are some pretty wild ones in there. But the fact that you've got a, a lawyer, uh, a member of a 1% bike club who's a master bike builder, and a legit blacksmith all coming out of Iron Age, like, I don't know. I don't think you can find another band that has uh, as an impressive uh, resume of f- uh, post-band work that the band members have done. Certainly not fucked up. Definitely not fucked up. Anyway, I'm not going to ramble any more because this is a long one and it is a good one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Matt Jackson on Turned Out a Punk. Might be a little ironic, huh? Yeah, exactly. Um, well, yeah, it's a, you know, um, I went and listened to Dave's and I'm like, man, Dave, you know, Dave is just such a nerd and like, he's an intelligent dude. He obviously, you know, is eats well. His brain is probably like fully functioning more so than <laughs> than mine at this point. But he's always been that kind of guy. Like he could tell you like every member of every band when Tear It Up was playing or even before or whatever, probably through the history of fucking punk rock, you know, and, like yeah. I'm listening to his and I'm like, fuck, am I going to I'm like, oh, I like bad brains, you know, <laughs> like, what am I going to say? You know, and, and uh but then I went and listened to a, a bunch of the other uh, interviews you did, and I was like, okay, well, they're not as all as nerdy as Dave, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna <laughs> look like that much of an idiot. No, David ups in a special class. That's why he he <laughs> has been called in as a, a special correspondent for Turned Out of Punk Footnotes because yeah, he and I are on you know that that nerdy end of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, but you know there was a time where you and me were. I'm going to say pretty close in our tastes and, and kind Definitely. of our approaches to punk and hardcore. And uh, dude, do you want me to start get going on this thing? Yeah, go for it. I mean, if that's what this is it. I mean, this is awesome. basically what you're doing, right? Exactly. So, cool. um, yeah, as I say, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I got to start this thing off though, the way I start them all off, which is how'd you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Yeah. Um, so for me, it was a little different. Like I never really had anybody around to introduce me to punk. Um, I grew up on a ranch in a small town in South Texas. And, uh, and, you know, I have a lot of friends uh, throughout the years who have given me a hard time because you know, they have a hard time, they have a hard time wrapping their mind around as a kid from when I was man, like two or three until 13, I lived on a 3000 acre ranch that was five miles outside of a small town and five miles into this ranch, like down dirt road. Wow. And, uh, and so, you know, you don't just like go and play football with the neighborhood kids. You throw a football on the roof and then run. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a lot, I have a lot of friends you know, over the years that have been like, I, I can't even understand that you would, you know, have to throw a football on the roof. I'm like, yeah, there's no neighborhood kids to play with. So, so it was hard to, uh, you know, it was, I I wasn't necessarily influenced by, you know, people around me. A lot of it was, 
um, as far as like peers, a lot of it was, um, my, my parents, my mom and my stepdad, uh, is what I remember listening to like some heavy music, you know, was, you know, hearing Black Sabbath and, uh, and hearing like Led Zeppelin and, you know, all, all those kinds of, uh, bands and albums that my parents had. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and instantly I was attracted to, to what I feel like was a heavier music. Well, they were in heavy stuff from the sounds of it then. Like that's, you know, not every parent is, is rocking out to Sabbath. Yeah. And it, what was so weird to me and looking back on it is even weirder is my, uh, <clears throat> my mom and, and my stepdad are, I mean, I mean, they're total squares. Like, <laughs> like they came from small towns in, in South Texas. My mom went to UT, which is university of Texas here in mm-hmm. Austin, which is a very, very progressive <clears throat> and a progressive city and stuff. And, and so I feel like, you know, she let loose at some point, right? Mm-hmm. She's never <laughs> led that led me to believe any of that. She's been a school teacher, you know, her whole life. And um and my father was a philosophy professor at UT and then at in he we moved to uh North Carolina and he was a professor at Western Carolina University, but he passed away whenever I was about a year and a half old. So I never got to know him, but I feel like, you know, being a philosophy professor, you had to be kind of out there. Yeah. I would think, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like that's, I've probably inherited a lot of that from him, even though I never got to know him, mm-hmm. you know, as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever I was so around, around when I was three years old, my mom remarried and that's been my father that I've known my whole life now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, they they were always into to rock and roll. Like uh, you know, I mean everything you can think of. They had they had Sabbath records, ZZ Top records, ACDC, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin, just all the greats, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I guess Austin's like the birth of birthplace of psychedelic rock, right? Or psychedelic culture, I guess. Definitely. And and they were never they were never I was never introduced into any of that until yeah. I got um you know, later in life. I mean, I've been here for about, uh, 15 plus years now, I guess. And, um, that's when all that started to click and I started to understand that kind of thing, you know, but, um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I had my parents' records and stuff that I would listen to and, and, uh, it wasn't until, uh, probably I would say like around sixth grade, maybe fifth, sixth grade something like that um you know i heard nirvana and you know everything that was big at that time um but still aggressive and that definitely reached out to me and and struck me as something i was into and hearing that and hearing metallica for the first time like you know those are those make a pretty big impact on you Mm -hmm. if you're if it's something that you are drawn to i feel like but yeah i mean that was the first stuff i heard and then Honestly, what got me, I feel like got me into anything punk related is, so I'd have to go, we'd have to drive like an hour and a half to get to the nearest big city, which was Corpus Christi, Texas, um, to go to any kind of like CD store or mall or whatever. Um, And I remember going to one of the like mall record stores and, or CD stores at the time. And, um, and buying one of those, uh, 
what were the epitaph compilations? Uh, a punkorama. punkorama. Yeah, punkorama. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for some reason, I was just looking. I mean, I was a kid and I was looking through these CDs and and I saw like compilation that had a bunch of different bands on it and stuff. And uh, I remember buying up these compilations. I was I had one one of the epitaph ones. Um, I had uh, I bought one of the Fat Records ones. Yep. I think that's where I heard like Good Riddance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then. What were the other? There was like a Nitro Records one where I heard AFI, like you know, and, the, and there, so there was a couple of bands like that 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 I just stumbled upon by buying these compilation CDs that were like super fast and aggressive for me at the time, and that just like blew my mind and opened my mind up to a whole nother you know thing. That's amazing. Yeah. When you were on that ranch, uh, like what? Were, first of all, what was going? Like, was it raising cattle? I guess. Was it yeah, cattle? it was. It, yeah, it was cattle. It was uh, Beefmaster cattle. So. So like my stepfather was, uh, I mean, I, we never grew up with any kind of money or anything. There was, uh, the, there was these two brothers that were lawyers that owned three or four ranches in the area. And so my stepfather was, uh, hired to manage these ranches. And then also he'd handle all the cattle and everything. So he'd be herding cattle. So, I mean, when people, I'm, I, you know, people think of Texas as like everybody riding around on a horse with a cowboy hat and stuff. And, you know, in reality, it's not like that. Yeah. But that's how I grew up. Like, <laughs> my stepdad wore like a six shooter on his hip and had a cowboy hat and rode a horse and herded cattle, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it was a pretty interesting way to come up. So when he would, when he would like, I guess, herd the cattle, like, would you take him on like long trips? Would he be gone for a long time just on that property? No, it's, yeah, I was just on the property. So you'd move, you know, you'd have, I, I, I couldn't even tell you how many like head of cattle there were at one time, but it would, you know, it'd, it'd be like a process. Yeah. Like a, probably like a, a week long process or something. But, uh, but he grew up in a family of, you know, a lot of, he had, he has a lot of siblings in his family. His, 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 uh, father did the same kind of thing. They did, uh, ranching and farming and, and, um, you know, a lot of tough love and, you know, he's, he's, he's a great guy. And especially for taking on someone that has to come in and take on a, you know, a three-year-old kid mm-hmm. that's not theirs. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I have a lot of respect for the man. And, but, uh, but I was, I was always raised in like a very strict, you know, very straightforward kind of, kind of, uh, family. Probably what got you into punk ultimately. I think so. Yeah. So, and, uh, and, and it's funny cause I mean, even though I got into that kind I got into punk and as soon as I heard these bands that were sped up and kind of aggressive and like, you know, um, it, it's kind of funny to look back on like now listening to like a band like good riddance or something like it, it's not since that time period, I probably never listened to good riddance before ever again, but <laughs> it, it was something that I heard that I was like, man, this is aggressive. Like, what is it? Like, yeah. you know, it, it just struck me. And, uh, and, um, now I'm losing track of where I was going with that. <laughs> no problem. We're, I guess like when you were, when you kind of found out about, you know, when you, when you bought this epitaph punk rama compilation, had you heard the offspring on TV or seen them? Had that been on your radar at that point? I think they may have started playing offspring on like the radio, maybe yeah. on the rock radio or something. And, and that's probably part of, yeah, that's probably part of what was, um, appealing to me when I saw it now that you're bringing that up. And, uh, 
and and then you know then you hear all the other bands on it i remember one of them had i one of them had poison idea on it mm-hmm. one of them had uh suicidal tendencies i believe there was there was there was a suicidal song on one of these one of those comps and uh so that's i mean really those compilations are how i got introduced to punk rock yeah now that i'm thinking about it we were affordable too guiding me on it yeah (laughs) and they they were just so affordable like you know you could you could buy an epitaph comp especially in america they were think they were like 3.99 right that's and that probably had a lot to do with it too you know (laughs) because i a lot of times i remember i remember as a kid like going to uh so you know a small town i lived outside of walmart was the biggest store (laughs) Mm -hmm. that was the only thing we had there and uh and they'd have like cassette singles and um i can remember buying like like a pearl jam cassette single and stuff like that so i would have enough money as a little kid to buy a single tape you know mm-hmm. and and i think that's that's probably what led to buying these compilations where they were in the same section with like the singles and then the compilations or whatever. And I stumbled upon it now that you're kind of refreshing my memory. So how would it work for you kind of going to school? Like, like there must be a school in like closer to you than an hour and a half. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, in our small town, there were, there were school. I mean, it was, there was a school district there. My mom was actually a teacher for at the high school there. And, um, and so, you know, around, I ended up, we we moved from there when I was like in eighth grade or going into my freshman year. Uh, we moved to right outside Corpus Christi. And, um, it's funny cause like I started getting into heavier stuff when I was still living on the, on the ranch and living in a small town. And, uh, and my mom's students actually, she had a couple of students that, uh, Cause I would come and like sit in her class after school or something and wait for her to get done with school. And, um, she had a couple of students that were into like Pantera and I remember they were into like Marilyn Manson, stuff like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And, uh, and I guess it was easily, easily accessible at the time. And, uh, I remember one of them actually went to see Pantera and they brought me a Cowboys from hell tour shirt <laughs> So I had actually probably only heard Pantera once at that point, but, but the student went and bought a Cowboys from Hell tour shirt for me and, uh, and, you know, gave it to my mom. My mom gave it to me. And I, so I had that since I was like in sixth grade, I guess, something like that. Your mom must be one hell of a teacher. Yeah, she was, she, you know, it's, we even talk about it now because I mean, she's had to put up with me my whole life. And, and, um, while I was, I feel like I was pretty straight laced, like through high school. Um, you know, when I was in, I, I, uh, I didn't really branch out until I got to college cause it opened up a lot of ideas for me, mm-hmm. but my mom has always been, she's always been just like, you know, like I said, I mean, if you met her, you'd think she, my parents are total squares, you know, like, and, and she, but she'll talk to anybody and she'll give anybody the time of day, mm-hmm. like, and give anybody a chance. And that's something that I've learned from her over the years is to not, you know, not obviously not judge a book by the, by its cover. Cause you never know, you know, what people's story is and where they come from and what kind of person they are, you know? And, and she was always like that. She was always the one that, uh, 
that would work, not necessarily with like the troubled kids, but she, she, you know, she always found a way to relate with them. And those are the ones that were into the music that I was digging. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where all that came from. So when you kind of, actually, what was your first concert you went to? Was it before you got into this punk stuff? Yeah. I mean, uh, man, she took me to see, I'm trying to think what the first one was probably, she took me to see green day and Sam. I am. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that was pretty cool. I mean, my mom actually is the one who she pushed all this stuff, you know, and, and, uh, and I think it's because, I mean, obviously she was into good rock and roll, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and so she, she kind of dug it as well. And so I remember she took me to see, yeah, she took me to see Green Day and Sam I Am, which that was a big, what I feel like was probably a big concert at the time. And, uh, and I still like Sam I Am, man. I, I'll still go back and listen to those records and they're fucking good. Oh, stand up uh, to this day. Definitely. And, uh, and so, I, you know, that, I, that's one of the things that introduced me to a lot of stuff. And then I remember she took me to see when I'm, when we moved to Corpus Christi, so I could go to a, a better school. Um, I've, I've always been to, I was always an athlete. Like I, I played baseball since I was a kid. Um, I was big into baseball. And then, you know, later I started getting into football when it was that age. And if you live in Texas and you don't play football, like there's nothing else in life. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with any of that, I'm sure like, I guess people have seen Friday night lights and all that stuff now. So people understand, but I don't want to um, brag or anything, but fucked up did have a song on the soundtrack of the third season. So I'm familiar dude, with that awesome. series. <laughs> that's so awesome. Yeah. I know that was I, like I the never, coolest thing my band ever did. Dude, that's, so, yeah, that's not true, but, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's really fucking cool. No, but dude, yeah, that's I mean, the best show. It's, it's, uh, that's really how life was in Texas towns. Like yeah. everything was centered around football. And so I'm pretty sure that's the main reason that we moved to Corpus Christi was <laughs> so that I could play football at a better school. <laughs> and, uh, it was a bigger school. It was actually a school that was known for going to state and football every year. And, yeah. uh, and so we, we moved to Corpus Christi and I remember that was in eighth grade. She took me to see, they, they took me and dropped me off. And, uh, and it was, um, orange nine millimeter machine head and seven dust. <laughs> Dude, you've got <laughs> like a pretty cool, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know what the funniest thing out of all that is, is like the one band, I guess that was out, I don't think I cared much about seven dust, but, um, I really liked machine head cause it was, you know, how aggressive it was at the time for me. I mean, I was what, 14 or something. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but when I saw orange nine millimeter, like something clicked with that, I was like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. You know? And I had no idea of the ties or anything to, mm -hmm. you know, like to, with, with chocolate and burn and all that, you know, like I have no idea of any of that. And, uh, and, but for some reason I remember it clicked and I went and bought that CD after seeing that show. Um, so that was another, that was probably the second like biggest kind of show or concert that I was, that I went to that probably put me in the right direction. Had you like seen Green Day on TV? I guess when I lived on our ranch, the, um, we had like 
did you ever see those big like satellites? Yeah. We had one of those satellites because we're living in the middle of nowhere, man. Yeah. And I remember this thing like thinking like it was absolutely ridiculous. Like these are some of the weird things that we don't think about with technology these days <laughs> and like <laughs> what, what we had. Um, and uh, we had one of those satellites and they had a channel called The Box. And I don't know if anybody remembers this, but it was like you could call in and request music videos for like 99 cents. And uh, I never actually called in, but that's where I had seen Green Day initially. Um, I guess when, uh, what was the, Dookie was the main album, right? Like yeah. the first major album. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think that's probably what introduced it to me. Another one that sticks out in my mind now that we're talking about it is uh, seeing Cranberry's Zombie and like how heavy that song was. Heavy song. Deceptively heavy, too, when you bought that CD. Right? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm um, yeah, you just, I mean, now that we're talking about it, it's kind of opened up memories. But I remember hearing that and being like, man, this is, you know, it's just one of those things that like it, it attracts you into that, that kind of sound or that you know just the the emotions that come up with heaviness of that i don't know yeah like i think it's your that age that you're at too and it's just like especially at that time for music like all that stuff was not on the radio and then all of a sudden it was and there's just like aggressive music and so you know i was i was around 15 at the time i guess 14 maybe hearing that song and being like oh this band's so heavy and there's just so much stuff that's happening and then you know, you get the Cranberry CD or the next single comes out. You're like, oh, maybe this band isn't as heavy as I thought they were. Rest in peace, though. <laughs> right? No, for sure. For um, sure. But that song is that song is fucking heavy. Um, and then and then once I moved to Corpus, um, to Corpus Christi, which was like the big city, right? Mm -hmm. And in, in the grand scheme of things, it's not <laughs> the big city. But to me, it was the big city. We lived on the outskirts, kind of what you would call a suburb. And, um, and, you know, I've never experienced like that, like suburban life. Right. So, so I, I experienced it when I was about, we got, we moved there when I was about, yeah, 14 or so. And, um, and so I was having a hard time, you know, you move somewhere else. Some people deal with this shit all the time, but you move somewhere else and like trying to fit in somewhere, you know, and, 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 and meet new people. And that, and that was like at the peak of when I felt like I was, listening to different kind of music and, and heavier music and, you know, really got into Metallica and, and started learning more about, you know, where these bands came from and stuff. And that's when I started playing guitar and, uh, my parents had gotten me a Metallica riff book. <laughs> and so it had like every Metallica song and like the tabs for all the riffs. Right. Yeah. And, and a distinct memory I have, this was probably in, eighth grade i guess was hearing uh <clears throat> hearing the song blackened um i believe it came on right after one right and yeah. so like the song blackened uh hearing that for the first time and thinking like how the hell is somebody playing this fast on the guitar and i remember that like really stuck out in my mind and blew my mind and uh anyway that's just you know something with like when i started playing guitar and 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 hearing that song for the first time i was like holy shit i gotta figure out how to play this fast. <laughs> were there other kids around you at that time that were into heavier music or is it like because it just felt like i never really knew that many kids that were into the same stuff i was into at school 
yeah, this school I moved to, I mean, like I said, it was a, it, it became like I was living in like the suburbs and I've never experienced that. Like I'm a, like a, a kid that grew up on a ranch that, you know, literally I rode horses and shit. And so like, you know, and I, I'd carry a gun around with me at who knows what age, you know, like my, I remember my parents letting me go out. Um, I, you know, we had four wheelers and stuff and like whatever as a kid and like, you had all this land and now looking back and like seeing how, how parents treat kids now where it's like every kid needs to have a cell phone and like be able to contact my, my parents would let me take off on a four wheeler by myself with a rifle. <laughs> and like, <laughs> as long as I came back by, by dark, like everything was cool. You know what I mean? At like age 10. <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, that in itself is, is pretty funny. So I going from that, lifestyle to living in the suburbs and then going to this bigger school and playing sports and stuff. I started to meet other kids that were into, uh, more punk and, 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 uh, and metal and like heavier music, but I never really had, like, I hung out with like the guys that were athletes because I played football and I was good at football and I was good at baseball and I was always successful at those things. But I never really had a connection with those types of people either. You know, I didn't fit in there. So I ended up making friends with like the weirder kids in high school. And uh, and I was always kind of like a liaison between the um, <laughs> like the the weird, like alternative kids and then like the jocks, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I was that guy that that tried to bridge the gap. And, you know, if I ever saw somebody getting bullied I'd, I'd be the one who steps in you know what i mean and that 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 was kind of my place i guess was like sports ever something that you thought you were going to wind up trying to pursue as some sort of professional level or is it like a means to get to university or is it just something that you just you know were drawn to because that's part of the culture that's part of the lifestyle in texas um <laughs> i think i think it was something i was drawn to because it was part of the lifestyle but then i was very successful at it. And, uh, and I feel like probably at that time, like, uh, you know, I, I had like some friends that I wanted to play in bands with and stuff like that when I was that age. And, you know, you never really, it's, it's so hard to get something together like that. But on the sports end, I expected to probably go and try to play football in college. And, uh, but I'm, I'm like five foot nine. And so, like, in football, in college, and especially in Texas, like, I mean, you got, you have to be, a, you know, a pretty big-sized dude. Like, I was always strong. I did powerlifting and all that. But it's, you know, a lot of it's, I mean, if you're five foot nine, you don't have a lot of options. So, it, uh, I had the opportunity to go and play Division III um, at a private school in college, Trinity University in San Antonio. Okay. And, uh, and even though we're kind of getting sidetracked here, I'll tell you the main reason why I didn't go is because we got there and they were going to, it was one of those like recruiting things. And like, they take you for, you know, to go to barbecues, stuff like that. And like, it was a private school in Texas, division three. So it's expensive to go there if you don't have any kind of grants for sports and stuff. And I remember going there and, and like, there were like no hot chicks at all. Like it was, <laughs> it was like, 
that was one of the things that stuck out to me. And then I went to, to, uh, to Southwest Texas state, which was a big university in, uh, just South of Austin. And like, there were so many beautiful women there. Yeah. And I think that played my mind a little bit. <laughs> well, you're a, you're a young person, you know, that's, I imagine that's the, uh, the decider, but I think with football, like that would offer an opportunity for like, you know, like you say, like you can get, you can get free rides for some of these schools, you know, you can get like, or partial rides or something like that. Scholarships. There's like real opportunities. Yeah. And and that's, and you know, and that was the, that was the kind of thing that, that obviously pushed me to, to consider all of it. Um, obviously the, the women thing was not a serious deal, but, uh, it was, it it got to a point where when I was going to graduate, um, I just didn't want to do sports anymore. You know, yeah, I was kind of tired of being told what to do. And, and all through high school, you know, even though I, I was listening to different, I mean, I, when I was around 16 or so is when, you know, I heard minor threat and heard, heard, uh, bands that were, that kind of pushed me towards the straight edge thing. And, um, and so I already kind of stuck out because I didn't drink, you know, amongst, you know, all these athletes and stuff like that. Like everybody wanted to go and party on the weekend and, and, uh, and get fucked up. And, uh, and, and I just didn't like fit in with that crowd. That was just not, I was so, I was so like, I I got into that side of the music, but then I also was so focused on being good at what I was doing, mm-hmm. like with sports and stuff that none of the other, like the partying thing was not appealing to me. So had you ever drunk at that point or no? Yeah, I had, you know, okay. I drank like some of my parents liquor. I remember being, being, uh, 13 and my parents bringing me up to Austin and we went to the broken spoke, which is like a, an like historical honky tonk here. And my parents letting me have a beer there because we were at the broken spoke and it was just, you know, it's Texas. They let Dude, me have a beer. <laughs> I say, yeah, to some of the things you're saying. And I'm just like, I cannot imagine a more different upbringing than mine, you know, like riding around with a gun. I'm like, that was not a Canadian Toronto experience for me. And like, also like playing sports. I was like, I say yes. When you're like, yeah, you know, like that's, you know, this thing happened, the sports thing. And I'm like, I, I'm fascinated because it was not what I experienced at all. But yet you and me kind of wind up both loving No Warnings music and stuff. So it's it's fascinating to me to see what leads you to the same spot I'm at. Yeah. And, just, and it, I was thinking about all that. So let me. So, yeah. OK, so let me finish the high school. Sorry, I keep getting sidetracked. Dude, that's what the show's about. I can, I can I can barely remember like my life. 10 years ago, much less like my upbringing, but it, but it is interesting because it's, yeah. it's, there's so many, I mean, that's what this is, right. This is, this is what you're, you're trying to get at yeah. with this show and stuff in this podcast is that everybody comes from such different places and then, and then we get led into a similar path and then to see where everybody goes afterwards, you know, mm-hmm. is, uh, is the part that's even more mind blowing because now, I'm, you know, how, how old are you, Damon? Uh, I'm 23. Yeah. Well, that's you, <laughs> no, that means I'm, you've been I'm 38. Back. I'm 38. You're 38. Yeah. All right. I'm 34. Yeah. And uh, man, could you even imagine being this age at this point? Like, I'm. I'm like, oh. I never would have thought. Like, I. I feel like. I mean, a lot of days I wake up and I feel 34 yeah. or maybe like 50. Yeah. But uh, but in my mind, I still feel like I'm like 
a kid, you know, like I'm, I'm just having a good time. Well, it's amazing to kind of think like, you know, like the trajectory you have planned out for yourself at health, like 13, but more like 23 versus where you find yourself at 33. And, and it's like amazing to kind of like see what a difference those 10 years make versus like, I don't know, like I kind of feel like I'm kind of haven't really changed much in the last 10 years so much as I had the previous 10 years, which were staggering changes. It felt like. Yeah, that's well, I mean, I mean, you know, that's your formative years, right? That's yeah. that's what everybody says. And I agree with that. Like a lot of that time is, is finding who you are, you know, yeah. and, I, and I had a hard time with that. And so once I got to college um, and decided I was done with sports and another thing that like opened my mind was all, all growing up, I was raised Catholic. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, and, but I was never into it. Like I, I was never one of those people that was like into church and God and all that. And, and, you know, and, and anything I say, I don't mean to offend any people because I know everybody has their own opinions, but it's just my personal opinion. And, but I went to, I feel like I went to church all through high school cause that's what my family did. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was never a, like, like you need to do this thing. It's just kind of what we did. It was like Americans, like going through the motions, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I remember going to college so being 18, finally getting out, getting out of my home and having my own place and then going to a college course and like one of the first courses I took and, and I don't remember exactly which one it was, but like it, them opening, like somehow my mind was just open to like, wait, religion is bullshit. Kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and, and for some reason it clicked with me and I'm like, this is a college professor who is kind of, you know, made me realize this. So, and I'm this, this is an intelligent guy who has a job to teach people. And I'm like, I had just never occurred to me, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, uh, and so all these things, once I got out of high school and moved away and got to college started to open up for me in terms of like what I really believed and not just not religion, just anything like, I always felt like I had to, like whatever authority I had, I wanted to be that guy that was like, not like a, not a kiss ass by any means, but I wanted to do what I needed to do to be successful. That's the things I was doing, whether it was football, whether it was school, whether it was whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And then once I got away from that and then started to do my own thinking, it just took me down a whole nother path, you know? Yeah. So what was getting back to music stuff? Were you going to any concerts kind of, you know, beyond the Orange Time Millimeter and Green Day thing prior to going to college? Yeah, when I was in high school, um, I remember coming up to Austin pretty frequently. Um, How far is Corpus from Austin? Sorry. It's about three hours. It's okay. about a three-hour drive. Okay. Um, but but we had emos here, mm-hmm. which I know you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, And – Going to shows, I, I, the first, I think, big show I went to uh, at Emo's was during the South by Southwest. It was a Victory Records showcase. And uh, I got to see, uh, I, th- I think Snapcase actually headlined that. And, you know, whatever bands, some other bands that were on Victory, Reach the Sky was one that I liked, you know. Okay, yeah. Uh, but uh, there was... Uh, 
I was coming up for shows like that. There was really when I started getting into the more of the punk scene and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, I considered myself straight edge at the time and, and, uh, and that's when I really started getting involved with going to the, the these venues like Emos in Austin, which has had a huge impact on almost anybody who's ever played music or what anything, you know, like yeah. Emos is a, is a historical place. It's weird too. Cause it's almost like maybe not, I don't know if, Texas rap has as much sort of like history with that building as, as other things, but any genre of like punk derived derived music or aggressive music has some sort of like amazing history through that venue. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's something that like, if people didn't get to experience, like, like the younger people that I meet that are into this kind of music and, and, and aggressive music, not getting to, because we have emo still. It yeah. moved and it's a completely yeah. different thing. It's not, I mean, it, it, you know how it is. It's like when something is in one building for so long and like has all these like just, I mean, phenomenal shows since day one. It's like, and the people that worked there, it, like it, it, it was just a perfect combination of things mm-hmm. um, that, that you'll, you'll probably never see again in this area, you know? It, yeah. It's like, it's something that I wish other people got to experience is I guess what I'm getting at. Cause it was uh, its own entity. Weirdly. It's also kind of like the roots of its own demise, right? Like it, because it opened up there or was there, you know, and brought so much culture to that city through, you know, whatever apartment buildings start going up, condos take place of those. And then eventually, you know, they drive the venue out, which is the reason people wanted to move there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, you had con- you have condos going up, and then all of a sudden there's sound ordinances downtown in the quote unquote music capital of the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're having to you're having to finish shows at ten o'clock at night, which, being my age now, I kind of dig. Yeah, um, same, but uh, <laughs> but um, you know, used to in Austin shows didn't start till ten o'clock at night. You know, and yeah. you've done it too. Um, now that I'm kind of on my own schedule, it doesn't really bother me too much but but yeah i mean emos was that that's i i feel like that was a major factor in shaping me and like the direction i went in music as well going there as a as being a being in high school and and going to that venue and seeing some of these bands and like just experiencing i remember being there man and like it's funny because i'm friends with all these guys now (laughs) but these guys that work there and you would i mean you just turn around and there's a guy choking someone out that is one of the staff (laughs) and basically the guys you know just about to pass out before they kick him out the door right and i was like holy shit you know you see something like that you're like i mean you know coming from where i'm coming from i've never seen stuff like that and i'm like i'm like man this place is crazy you know like there was that there was that rush of like excitement and kind of you know kind of scared but but it's exciting and it just added to the whole vibe of that place. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's also in my experience, the, the security at Austin clubs, which I've, I've always been fine in my, with my dealings, but you know, if you, if you get out of line, there's a special way of enforcing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably just a Texas thing. (laughs) I think it's a Texas thing. Once again, you know, not that, you know, security at clubs haven't caused issues with people all over the world, but Texas, it's a, it's a particular brand of just, justice that's administered in those places. How did yeah. that, 
how did the heavier stuff kind of wind up on your radar? Like you mentioned going to that victory showcase. Was that just like, you know, buying the victory style sampler or something? I think it was probably from something like that, man. I mean, it, it all stemmed for me from these like, yeah, from these compilation CDs. And, and I think it, I don't know what my necessarily was my train of thought when I was a kid. I think a lot of it was just like wanting to see all these different, listen to all these different bands. Yeah. Like I, I didn't have anything really on my radar to where I could go and just buy a particular CD. Like I remember buying, you know, and, I, and this is when I was younger and I remember buying like AFI's, uh, shut your mouth and open your eyes. That, that was the name of the album. Yeah. Um, and hearing how fast that was and aggressive to me at the time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what led me into like, you know, hearing minor threat and hearing, um, black flag and bands that, you know, that took it to a next level for me. Um, as far as the rawness and aggression. Um, so when I moved up to college, the people I hit it off with initially were, were guys that were like into the into the hardcore scene and stuff, you know? And, and, uh, and so I was 18. That's when I first met Daniel Rosen. Um, that, uh, that, sorry, one second. That's all right. Sorry, my wife has gets calls at home on her home phone once in a blue moon. But that's anyway. Sorry about that. You guys Go have on. a home phone? That's cool. I know that's like the only people that call us on it. That's why she uses it for work stuff because it's like our parents and uh, telemarketers. <laughs> telemarketers still exist. That's oh insane. my god, yeah, dude, it happens all the time. Like we get called. Like we win a million cruises a week. <laughs> hey you should take one let me come with you exactly yeah let me i need a vacation real bad yeah i don't i don't i don't think there's a real cruise at the end of that phone call i think they, <laughs> mind you to yeah, be huh? to be fair i've never waited through to find out yeah i would suggest probably not doing that yeah um, I think it might require sending the money to an unmarked uh address or unknown address anyway go on so so when i moved to college i was instantly attracted to like just other people that were kind of into the, you know, hardcore scene. I remember, um, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that I wanted to play in a band really badly. Like I had a couple of bands in high school that, you know, we'd play after school or whatever, or after, you know, when sports were over and stuff. And, and, you know, that's when, you know, when I was getting into, into punk, like I said, hearing these bands, hearing AFI, hearing minor threat and, and never still, still never really having, I never really fit in anywhere in high school. So I, now, now when I hear people talking about their friends in high school and like who they've been friends with for years and stuff, I mean, hopefully no disrespect to anybody who hears this, but I don't <laughs> remember a couple of people from high school, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I run into, I run into them cause you know, it's, I'm only a few hours from where I went to high school, I guess, but I run into them every now and then. And man, I can't for the life of me really remember that many people when my parents were like, Hey, you remember so-and-so I'm like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so, like the name sounds familiar. I don't know. Like, but I think a lot of that was me coming in my own, like in, in college. And so when I got to college, I met guys through, you know, trying to find people to play in a band with, um, you know, that were into like the hardcore scene and stuff. And I met, uh, that's when I met Daniel Rosen for the first time. And he was like 15. He sings for uh, Bitter End. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he books a lot of, he was already booking shows in, in San Antonio, you know? <laughs> And, uh, and he was probably like 15 years old and, um, you know, he helped introduce me to a lot of bands like Madball and, and, uh, heavier bands, uh, that we were all into at the time. And, and, um, 
I remember I, I, the first band I played in was with some guys in, uh, this was all in San Marcos, which is about 20 miles south of Austin. Okay. It's all kind of the general area. Like it's just outside of Austin. It's just where the university that I went to was. And, um, that's when I started getting more into the, you know, I, I, I was familiar with straight edge. I considered myself straight edge. Like, these guys were all into like, um, earth crisis and like the more like serious I mean, that's when i got into like judge and i dug judge and and uh and but all these guys that i was hanging out with where they were in the earth crisis and you know the more militant side of things i guess they were all they're all vegetarian or vegan or whatever and you know obviously growing up on a beef master cattle ranch i didn't quite understand <laughs> all of it but uh but i was drawn to it yeah and being a straight edge kid you know, or not drinking and smoking and all that when you're 18, I mean, it just leads to a lot of aggression, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you had your outlet of like playing music, but then we also got into a lot of trouble doing dumb shit now that I look back on it. (laughs) (laughs) So like, was it like, were there bands around you guys at the time? Um, there were, I mean, that's like when I met Daniel, um, he had his band, uh, and now I'm blanking on it, but before Bitter In, um, that's when I kind of met, I feel like at that same time I met Jason Tarpey and Wade, yeah. uh, from the late, you know, later we're in Iron Age. Jason had Far From Breaking. Um, there were, there were the, all these other bands in the area that I was getting introduced to that were, man, I, I mean, as soon as I heard Far From Breaking, I loved it, obviously, you know, like, like I said, I mean, I, I never, I, I feel like looking back on this time, like I still hadn't found my place in all of it. Like I was trying out all this different stuff, like, like, um, you know, like all these guys around me that liked earth crisis. I thought that was cool. But for me, it was like too metallic sounding. Like I, I, I never really, it never really stuck with me, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and while I liked heavier stuff, um, it just never, that's something that never, completely clicked like i probably tried really hard to be into it but um but when i saw like far from breaking for the first time i was like whoa this is this is fucking awesome like just to see a crowd react to this band and like just the high intensity and stuff like that and that was jason's band before iron age yeah they were so fast too i think like that was i think for me a lot of the metallic stuff that really uh didn't jive is because i just found it so slow yeah yeah, and I mean, at that age, I'm like, man, I want. I mean, we were, we were, shitheads, you know. Like we, like we didn't want to be the school we were at. The school I was at was, you know, it's all frat kids, like pretty much any university. And 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 I remember we would just go around like starting shit with people. And now, like looking back, I'm like, that was so dumb. Like we, I remember we went and uh, I'm sure there's a statute of limitations on some of this, right? So like, <laughs> I remember going and stealing cans of spray paint from uh walmart hope my mom's not listening to this uh and uh and which is totally stupid i mean yeah could have obviously gotten arrested for that and and pulling this sketchy ass van we had into a car wash at at uh you know those car washes where you wash your car yourself yeah and in the middle of the night and painting it camouflage (laughs) so we're like 19, 18, 19 years old driving around in this sketchy ass van that's camouflage, like throwing shit at people out of it, you know, in this small ass town. 
and starting shit with like frat kids and stuff and like just dumb stuff, you know, like yeah. stuff. It's, but you're right. It's like, it's weird. And you know, not all straight edge kids, obviously, but like, it's amazing how much of that stuff that I guess other kids find outlets with for partying just winds up happening. Cause you're just like a straight edge kid with nothing to do at 18. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you, there has to be some sort of outlet, right? Yeah. So anyway, so you can imagine all the shit we got into at that time. And, but, but that's how I first met, uh, Wade and Jason and Steve, um, Steve Norman, that, that was the first rhythm guitarist for Iron Age as well. Um, and that whole, like got into that kind of whole scene and, uh, and, you know, started going to shows and, and, um, you know, and that, that became like our whole life, you know? And, um, so my buddy, Nick and I, Nick was one of the first people I met when I got to San Marcos. He had a lot of influence on me and, um, was one of my close friends and has been for, had, had been for a long time, for at least a decade. And, uh, he and I ended up starting a straight edge band called hold fast. And, um, and we just played little shows and stuff. We played with like Daniel Rosen's band and like, it was kind of mad ballish sort of, we didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah. (laughs) But we, uh, we, we, you know, we play a bunch of shows and, and, uh, we had a pretty decent little following in, in, uh, in Texas. And then, um, did you guys record? Yeah, we recorded, uh, we had a couple seven inches. The last one was actually pretty decent. Um, I gotta track these down. I don't think I know that band. Yeah, it was. I mean, we never really had any kind of big notoriety or anything. Obviously, we toured a couple of times. That was my first experience going out on tour. And uh, I mean, we took this shitty ass spray painted camouflage van and toured like the East Coast. You know, (laughs) like it. it, uh, Some of the stuff that we did, I just can't even believe we actually made it through all. But um, who'd you guys play with on the East Coast? We're like, or where some of the places you guys played? We played, we actually got on some pretty good shows. We played, uh, I remember we went to Florida on one, we did a couple like short tours and then that was it on that, with that band because that's when I got approached by Jason and uh, Wade about starting this band Iron Age. And um, so yeah, with Hold Fast, I remember we played some big, we played with like, we played a string of tour of dates with like Bane uh, in Florida. Um, we played, we ended up just jumping on some shows basically. Um, and it was like a 10 day, it would be like 10 day tours. I'm trying to think other places we played. I don't know, man. Like I said, I feel like I've lived a few different lives at this point. Yeah, dude. I had no so, idea about this band at all. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. This doesn't show up on your discogs, which means, you know, <laughs> like people in Texas aren't doing their due diligence with discogs updating. It's not on my IMDb. No, it's um, not on your IMDb, but no, legitimately your Discogs page has, you know, like it's got even your, uh, bitter end, you know, appearance, but it does not have. Oh yeah. I forgot about the bitter end thing. Yeah. I played like the first, the very first bitter end show. I believe I played bass on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, whole fast was a straight edge band. And, um, but as soon as, you know, I saw what Jason was doing and, uh, all those guys in, in far from breaking and, um, you know, all those guys were straight edge. <clears throat> That's when a couple of them started to kind of fall off and got into drinking and stuff. And, you know, of course at the time I didn't get it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I was never one of those people I feel like that wrote people off because I just, 
experienced all of that. Like they were older than me. And so I, I got approached to be a part of the, of, of starting this band iron age and man, like Jason and Wade and Steve, like these are all guys that I looked up to. I mean, I, I, I thought there was like nobody cooler than these guys, you know, mm-hmm. and I still do, but, uh, we got the opportunity to do this and, you know, that got me into even more like, you know, they were big on, uh, those, those guys already knew in their mind, like what they wanted to do as far as musically, like, Oh, dude, and, we can't move on to Iron Age yet. I still got hold fast questions for you. Okay. okay. <laughs> I was gonna, who put out these records? Were you guys self-releasing um, them? No. Uh, no, we had the dude. No, <laughs> I don't even remember, man. And someone who, whoever put them out, probably is going to listen to this and be like, you're a fucking asshole. <laughs> but, uh, but really, man, I, like, I, like I said, I, I don't even remember like some of my best friends from high school. I don't know. I feel like I've lived so many lives and I'm always go- on the go and like hustling. That like when I sit, I have to sit and like research things. Dude, sometimes. I know I got to research this because this is like blowing my mind. I thought I had a complete Matt Jackson discography, but apparently, if I have, I have hold- these holdfast records, I'll just I'll mail them to you. They're not oh. very. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're not very good. Uh, the first one was all right. The actually the second uh, um, seven inch we did was was pretty damn good. Like we finally got kind of a sound, you know that. Um, and I, I'm sure that was highly influenced by No Warning. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that would make you guys one of the first bands that would have been doing that. Because, like, obviously, that became a trend unto itself a few years later. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we won't get into all that. But, uh, but yeah. But, oh, let me, so let me tell you a funny story. I was trying to think of – you got me – so once we decided to do this podcast deal, yeah. I, I had to – dude, I, last night I went down a wormhole of, like, researching stuff i was even trying to figure out like okay where do we record the copy times seven because it, it had a story behind it and and like i was i had to look it up you know? and, and like i was trying to figure out all this stuff that i you know if if you asked me i would actually have an answer and not sound like i'm got dementia or something yeah you know? yeah yeah okay, no, dude, dude, so let, me tell you, let me tell you how i got introduced to no warning i think yeah or at least to the members of No Warning. So I had to even ask Dave. So uh, as you call him, David Up came by my shop yesterday, and uh, and I started talking to him about it. And I was telling him I was going to talk to you, and and um, I was asking him a qu- couple questions because he, I mean he's got like a steel trap of a mind. Yes, and he, you know is a total nerd for everything with music and, and knows he remember. I mean, he'll tell you every band member of, I don't even know, man. And when I was, I like when I was listening to his interview, him talking about like all the cock rock and stuff that he was into. And I'm so glad I missed all that. (laughs) But anyway, I digress. So one of the things I, I, I asked him was, I was like, you know, um, how I met people from Toronto for the first time was, uh, so that, um, music downloading program it was called was it called soul seek yeah soul seek okay it had like the little, little bird right it was like a little yeah. loop or whatever okay so you could download files from other people right yeah and uh i remember man i don't even remember what like obscure new york hardcore band it was but i started downloading a bunch of fi- i found this one user on there and i was like oh shit like this is some good stuff and then some of the bands i hadn't heard of and i was like well i'm gonna download all this it was like in a it was in a particular folder or whatever right Mm -hmm. i started downloading all of it 
and I get a message from the guy because you could instant message each other, right? Yeah. And it was like, uh, and it was like, hey, man, um, you know, like it was kind of like, a, hey, what are you about? Because like this is interesting that you're downloading this, these records from me, and that was and that was you and Exile. <laughs> wow. So, he and I hit it off right off the bat, just like through that, through that fucking downloading program, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and we would keep in contact and that's how I, how I met, you know, the guys in no warning for the first time is when they toured Texas, I believe it was probably the first time they came through here. Ewan was like, Hey Matt, go to the show. I'm going to tell Ben and the guys like, put you on the guest list, you know, like, uh, you know, um, go to the show. I got it taken care of. And sure enough, man, I showed up, I was on the guest list. Like, man, I, I couldn't think of anything cooler than that. At that <laughs> it's so funny too. Cause actually I, you the guy that introduced uh, me to you at one yeah. point, right? Like when we were at the, uh, adrift, uh, skate park, yes. where you guys played that show. Yeah. I remember. And I was always like, how did you know you, but I, Oh yeah. Soul seek the wonders of the internet. Right. Isn't that crazy? And that was, you know, that, that was still the like beginning of like, you know, now, nowadays anybody can get on the internet and listen to anything and, and talk to anybody. And, you know, uh, it, it's just, yeah, that was the beginning of that kind of thing. And that's, that's how we met and we just hit it off. Cause you know, if you see somebody downloading certain records from you, you're like, Holy shit. Like this is actually someone that's, you know, into some cool stuff or whatever, you know? And, and, and for me, cause I mean, you and, what maybe a decade older than us yeah yeah and so like he uh you know he probably saw it as an opportunity to to you know educate a younger person on good music which is fucking awesome you know and but what a weird world right well like, that was also the early days i guess before you know social networking was really a thing and it's like i guess we were trying to build these social networks through the platforms that were available to us at the time definitely um and, uh, Cool. Yeah. And that's, and then that's how I got introduced to everything. And, and I mean, the first time I had heard no warning, uh, I guess when I heard the seven inch or whatever, like, man, it, I mean, it was so good. Like it just struck me as, you know, something, uh, I don't know. It, it was something I, I couldn't stop listening to. And then when ill blood came out, it was the same kind of thing. So I was a total nerd. I mean, I, I, I love no warning still do obviously. But it was cool how it all just kind of came together. Like, you know, the, the people that I was idolizing ended up becoming my friends. Mm -hmm. Where, like, uh, when uh, you guys were kind of forming Iron Age or when they came to approach you to form Iron Age, what was what band was Wade in before that? Um, what band was Wade in? Wade might have played, I think he filled in for Far From Breaking. And that's how I knew him. Um, oh, he's on, funny he's on because, the second guitar or something on the second seven inch, maybe. Yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah, he, he was he. I met Wade, and then I met Wade's brother Jared, who who plays with Iron Age now, and had played with us on and off. Played, uh, you know, on a couple of stuff on our demo, I believe. He played. He wasn't like the initial drummer. The initial drummer was a member of Holdfast, actually. But um, Wade, Wade's brother Jared, is my age. And he and I met when we were 18 in college and that's when we started kind of playing music together. And it, you know, and it, everybody's kind of just intertwined that was into the similar style of music. And then, uh, but yeah, Wade, 
you know, Wade's always been a character. Like (laughs) he's, he's, uh, so it's kind of, it's ironic that, you know, far from breaking, he, he was playing with them. But, uh, I think that was the least ironic thing about the band far from breaking with some of the members. Yeah, no, I, I, I I agree with that too. (laughs) But man, I mean, but that, but those were like the guys that like I saw playing music and thinking like, holy shit like how do i get to be that like that's fucking cool you know like i I, it 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 goes along with the like just trying to find your place you know and so um i mean i don't know if i was just a matter of like oh man we need a bass player let's get this dude matt to do it i don't know like what what really i i know i started to become friends with all them but i was still younger so um you know i'm just appreciative that they gave me the opportunity to do that. And, and, uh, and then that's how we started Iron Age. And we did, uh, we did, you know, our demo and then we did a West coast tour, I believe. Yes. And, uh, we played with lights out and, um, a bunch of bands and stuff in on the West coast did like a short stint out there. But, uh, that, that opened me up to, you know, a lot of other bands and, and connections and stuff, you know, being a part of iron age but it, it was like it was weird because it you know uh i think far from breaking had such a big following and like those guys had built up so much in the area that as soon as iron age came out it was like we instantly had a following here and yeah. and i can't even t- i mean I, I i got to play shows with like hold fast that were like good shows and kids were into and and you were getting that rush but not probably not until iron age did i like you get up on stage and you're like holy shit like this is crazy you know like it it just it was such a rush and and uh and there was nothing like it and it's also like you know legitimately one of the best bands if not the best band of the era you know like you could make that argument for iron age like being you know constant struggle on you know like being you know but right from the demo you know being like one of the best bands of the era if not the best band you know like and it was like was that sound you know they mentioned how they came to you and were like we want to form this band was it like we want to form something we want it to be more metallic we want it to be heavier than what's going on around us well we knew like i mean uh and, and maybe part of the reason why i got included on it was i mean once i had heard chromags and listen to the Cro-Mags and, uh, and you know, I was just big on that era of New York hardcore. And, uh, and I mean, I worshiped, I worshiped Cro-Mags. Like that's like what, that was something that clicked with me. And I know it's clicked with a lot of people, but it, uh, it was something that it just all made sense in, in my mind with that band. And I, I, I like as far as Iron Age, I can't ever even take credit for for anything with it other than having the opportunity to, you know, be in the band and experience it because people like Jason and and Wade, I mean, they had it all mapped out, man. It was there, there was no like there was no guessing like or or like, oh, let's see if this works, if this works. It was like Wade um musically was just so far ahead of everybody that he had it i mean he 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 knew him and jason him and J- between him and jason they knew like okay our demo's going to sound like this and uh and then our lp is going to progress to this sound and this is what we're going to do you know uh-huh. like and and not to say it didn't happen organically 
because, you know, once you all start playing together, it, it changes everything. Right. Yeah. But they were just so far ahead of anything I could think of at the time. Like they, they were just on it, you know, like, and, 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 uh, they're what made the band. I mean, you know, it's, and it's because, you know, they, they researched everything so much. They knew what they liked. They knew, you know, what, what was going to be good for us to play and stuff. And, and I was just happy to be along for the ride. Cause I mean, it, it being in the band, you know, and, and, and you giving a compliment like that, as far as like, you know, of our time or our generation or whatever of, of, of like people, you know, holding Iron Age in a high regard. It's like I was in the same boat as like just a fan, you know, like I just happened to have the opportunity to be a part of it. But to, to you know, see these guys like that were so talented and, and knew exactly what they were doing was was pretty cool to see. Yeah, I don't know, like, but I think, you know, you're, you're underselling your, like, role in the band, like, obviously, you know, you went on to do other stuff, but, like, you know, live, you know, and you also played in Coptic Times, which I think is one of the most underrated bands of the era, too, <laughs> you know, like, I think it was just, like, such a cool mix, you know, and as a straight-edge kid, knowing there's straight-edge people in that band, but there was also, like, wild-ass people in that band, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had an interesting mix, huh? It was and, and crazy. I, I look back now, man, and, and you know, and I was so I I started I, uh, I started I you know I I got out of like strange and all that and and started drinking and stuff probably when I was about like twenty seven and uh, and I I stopped playing in bands I would imagine in like when I was twenty four maybe yeah probably ten years ago now but um, but. I look back now and I'm like, man, I bet Jason and Wade and Steve and all them were like, God, what a fucking nerd, <laughs> you know, like they were partying so hard and living like not partying so hard, but you know, like living, they were living the rocks. Like we were on the road having a good time, you know? So I, I hope I wasn't that big of a drag, but it was a cool, <laughs> it was a cool mix of, of people in the band, you know? And, and, and we always got along and, like I said, I mean, these guys were like idols to me. So it, it was never, a, you know, it was never a, like, oh, you know, these guys are lame. They're they're partying. You know, you, you take someone like Chase on tour with you. You're like, you know, you're bound to get into something. Of course, I always liked I, I always liked getting into like into some shit, you know, like <laughs> at that time. So. It's a it was a wild band. Like, I just I can remember, you know seeing that band come in especially you know with chase and toe and it was like wow that is a that is like a a force to be reckoned with that's like a <laughs> a wrestling tag team or something you know like and you know what? <laughs> yeah right and you know you know what it is is it's texas dude that's yeah, it's the texas. texas mentality it's like texas. we we have our own breed here you know like it's like you know, when you're in Texas, like it's, it's, it's different, you know? And that's what a lot of that is. But yeah, yeah. We had so many different people in the band and I remember, you know, but it all worked out. Like I was the guy that drove overnight. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when the other people were trying to sleep it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. Like you, you say, like they were wild partiers, dude. Maybe it's just Texas because they were wild ass partiers. Like they were the <laughs> wildest ass partiers. Hey, allegedly. Um, allegedly. Yeah, so, allegedly. So, uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, and and that's like 
it's just, it was just, yeah, it was a combination of people. It was the talent of people, you know, that, uh, it was all these factors that I feel like makes a band, um, kind of legendary. And I, and I don't like, I don't want to say that in a sense of like, cause I'm, cause I was part of it. So it, and not in a, like, I don't know. I, I, it feels weird saying that, but it's just all those factors, right? It's not just the music or just the live performance or whatever. It's just like everybody that was, a, everybody was a character, you know, yeah. like it, it was, you just never knew what to expect. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's like, it's amazing to kind of look at not even like everyone just in the band, but even like everyone around you guys, like that whole kind of like crew of people and just like <laughs> where everyone kind of wound up. You know, it's like a very, like we're talking off air. Like I can't think of a band that has more fascinating jobs uh, with members than, than Iron Age, you know, like you've got a lawyer, uh, like a legit (laughs) blacksmith, you know, a master bike builder, you know, you've got like some real interesting people kind of coming out of that. And then like, you know, like everyone around it, even it's like some real fascinating characters all, like you say, everyone's a character. I was around no, it. Sure. I was on tour with it. Like I saw what it was like. And it was like, there are a few bands of that era that, uh, you know, I think sex fit and iron age are the ones that I come out with the most stories from. <laughs> there are some pretty wild stories. And, and honestly, I wish, uh, I mean, I'm glad I obviously was, you know, that I didn't drink and party at the time and stuff. But sometimes I look back and I think like, man, I bet those guys had a lot of fun, <laughs> you know, whereas I'm over here trying to be like Mr. Responsible guy and like, you know, and, and, and all that's like all that, you know, I don't regret any of it. I like, I look back now and I know that the people I know that are my age now, a lot of people have alcohol and drug problems and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and like none of that stuff's ever been an issue for me since I've stopped, you know, uh, being, I guess being straight edge or whatever. Like it's, I've, I think all that time that I was straight edge and, and into all that. And, um, it taught me moderation, you know? And, uh, and I, and I know that like there's, you know, like alcoholism, stuff like that. People are born into it, but I was never like that guy. Like when I started drinking and stuff, I I was never that guy that just went out and like got, you know, totally messed up and, 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 uh, and, someone had to carry you home or you're puking or something like that. I just, that's not me, you know, like it, 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 I feel like it all taught me a lot of, a lot about moderation and how to, how to balance things. <clears throat> yeah. Like I think it's, it totally depends on the person's personality. Right. Cause it's like a lot of people get at a straight edge and that's the last thing they learn is moderation. Right. I think someone could look at me with my medication and make that argument right here. So <laughs> I think it, it totally is a, uh, it depends. Yeah, I remember on uh, the person. It's funny because I had a con- I had a conversation with. So when we started Iron Age and stuff, like that's when a couple of guys like stopped being straight edge and and whatnot, and like that's when you know everybody starts experimenting with different things to figure out what they're into, right? Like you know, and uh, and and I and I saw it in, in different people around us that you know that they they just went into stuff full force, you know, and it was like, but we were still young at the time. And then I remember when I started drinking, I remember having a conversation with Steve Norman um, and uh, and him saying, you know, hey, you know, I went through the same, a similar thing. Just, you know, make sure you're careful and, and take it easy and blah, blah. And, you know, and it, but that was never a thing for me. Like I've always, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 
I'm definitely a little out there, but I've always felt like I've had a solid head on my shoulders. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so yeah. So anyway, with the iron age thing, um, where do you want to go with that? Were one? you, oh. were, were you on that tour? Uh, cause this has come up on the podcast before, uh, with Nick Woj, but I don't think uh, Woj was not on this tour, but I think it was like iron age and cold world. And there was like some party and someone pulled a gun and someone put the gun weighed, I think put the gun right to his chest and said, pull the trigger to the dude. I remember that vaguely. I remember being on it. Was it when we did a West coast tour with that? I think so. I kind of remember that, but you know what, what is even weirder is it like kind of remembering that it just didn't seem like that out <laughs> like there. Out there. Yeah. <laughs> and that may tell you like how, how my life's been. I do remember that story. I don't remember direct. I can't like directly picture being there for that, but, uh, <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. You know, we've always been a nut. Yeah, I think that's the thing is like there's a, uh, you know, there's that says something once again about uh, the band and how wild it was that that just seems like, ah, that was par for the course. Yeah, man. I mean, like, you know, bringing up the gun thing, when I told you when I was like a kid walking around with a gun and stuff, one of my, one of my uh, most vivid memories is riding around with my stepdad and him blasting ZZ Top Tush with the truck windows down, we get pulled over and he asked me to hide his pistol, you know, like, <laughs> and these are just things that like come up every now and then. And I think about, I'm like, maybe that wasn't like normal for a kid, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> certainly, but, but certainly those, not in Toronto. Those are some things that, sh are some things that shape my life. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so back to kind of iron age when you guys kind of rat, well, ex Coptic times, how did Coptic times form? Um, I'm not sure if I had started doing, you know what? I, I think I started writing the Coptic time stuff, um, at the end of my stint with iron age. So I took like two years off of college. I, whenever I was in iron age, somehow, uh, one of the years when we started really touring, um, I talked all my college professors into letting me leave for three weeks during a semester. Wow. And come back and take my finals. And, uh, you know, I didn't take college seriously. I, I, I think my GPA was like 2.7 or some shit. I don't know. And, um, and, and so I didn't really take college seriously. I was more into like my bands and, and, you know, there was just nothing that like really interested me in that aspect. And, um, and so, yeah, I remember two different semesters talking, somehow going to each one of my professors this is at a, a major university and talking them into letting me leave for three weeks and then come back and take finals. And, uh, and so that was in the, uh, that was like in some of our first like big tours. And then I took two years off from school, which somehow I talked my family into doing my, my family's always supported me because I've just always gone down like, a way different path than probably what they've ever expected. Right. Mm -hmm. But I've always done it in a way that I've made things work. Like it's never been like, Oh, Matt needs help. It's like, Matt's just kind of the black sheep. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, so somehow I, I talked my family into, I mean, I told them like, look, I'm, I'm taking, I'm going to take time off from school so I can tour this band. Who knows when I'll get this, uh, this opportunity. 
and they supported me to the fullest, which was pretty awesome. I remember playing. I'm gonna get side but I remember going to Corpus playing Iron Age show, and my mom had pulled out, or I she I she had pulled out uh, this black flag. Everything went black, black shirt that I had from high school and wore it to the show. <laughs> show and my mom comes to see the show and she's wearing this black flag shirt and she's like i just wanted to fit in and i was like that is insane that's awesome but, uh, do you think your mom ever saw yeah. rocky erickson no okay. but i have a great rocky erickson story so let's save that one okay um, yeah, yeah unless you want well okay so iron age cop okay coptic times i started writing co- some coptic times songs because um you know with iron age uh you know, I didn't, I didn't write anything in Iron Age. I mean, Wade, Wade wrote, you know, I would say probably 99% of the stuff. And Wade was such a talented guy that like, and I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you have, well, you have bands that like everybody contributes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and musically. And while that works out for some bands, to me, when you have somebody who just gets it and they're super fucking talented, like Wade, um, you know, it's like, why, why mess with it? You know, mm-hmm. like he was just a riff master, you know what I mean? And, and Jason is the same way with vocals and even with like music structure and stuff. So it was kind of like, I played in Iron Age, but I never wrote anything, you know? And, uh, and I've always just been a mediocre musician. So it was just cool to be a part of it and tour and, and meet, meet the people involved and and see bands and see bands like fucked up and play with you guys and like you know uh the bands in toronto were like my favorite i mean fucked up um uh you know i liked uh violent minds obviously Mm -hmm. and uh um career suicide i put that on the other day and that was so good you know yeah like jonah's such a talented dude yeah jonah's Um, another guy like wade you know like a guy who can just like just kind of has these bands mapped out. And I guess Mike's like that too with fucked up. Like, you know, I'd be lying if I said that it was like a, an equal kind of creative input from everyone in the band. Like Mike is certainly like an overwhelming kind of driving force and things. But I feel like you have to have that because <clears throat> yeah, no one's ever going to, everybody has so many, so many different influences musically that if you don't just sit down and pin it down to like what you want this band to do and sound like, and I'm all for bands progressing with their sound and whatnot, but like, I also, uh, love motorhead <laughs> yeah. and like, yeah. and, and if motorhead had ever done anything differently, they wouldn't have been motorhead, you know? Like, yeah. so it's like, you know, it's good to have that kind of thing. And so that's what Coptic times became for me. It was kind of like a little outlet. Like I was, you know, I, 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 finally found like my real niche with with uh you know like southern california stuff you know like early 80s southern california punk and hardcore is what i really really liked and and um and obviously black flag i mean you know who who doesn't like black flag but it's uh that that was something that i wasn't talented enough to write the stuff that iron age was playing but i sure as hell felt like i could write like a rock and roll song or like a, you know, a punk song that was catchy, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so, um, that's kind of what I, that was kind of my outlet was I started, I, I, like I wrote everything for the Copic times demo and then I got some friends to play, uh, play on it on the recording and we did all that. And, and, 
that was the first band I ever fronted, and that's weird. I don't know. You know, that was such a weird thing to be the, the in the forefront. You know what I mean? It takes a special kind of madness to want to do it. It does. <laughs> and you just, I, I feel like you just kind of zone out, right? So, yeah, you ultimately have to just zone out. Yeah, because I'm not, I don't know how you are, but I can't, I don't do public speaking, you know? Like that, that is just not something that I'm interested in. I believe you probably are good at it. I I I'm, I'm, I have to do it, so I do it. But it's not something I particularly enjoy. Um, but I th- I still think being in the front of a band is different. You know, like public speaking, it's a lot more uh, nerve wracking. I think than just like like you say, like when you go up in a band, sometimes you just zone out, right? Like yeah. it's only after you play those first few shows when you got to deal with like you know the the adrenaline subsiding a little bit and you're like a little more cognizant of what's going on that it gets a little weird yeah definitely and you know you go from playing bass in a band where like you know who cares about the bass player and um um (laughs) and uh and so like to being out like you're you can kind of i don't know you're not in the forefront and then with copy times it's like man i'm in the forefront of this and and uh, it, it definitely changed things. But but um, I would write everything for Copic Times as well. So that was just kind of like my outlet on the side. And then um, at some point, you know, we decided, like Iron Age was starting to record another album. And uh, Copic Times, that was kind of like my outlet to like be able to, to write things, you know. Um, yeah. I wanted to play more of like a kind of rock and roll punk kind of thing, you know. And, uh, and, and. At, you know, at, at around that same time is when I kind of, I felt like I had taken two years off and toured. Iron Age did Europe. You know, we did countless North American tours. We'd always come up and, you know, play up near you guys, play in Toronto and stuff. And I, and those were, those were uh, some of my favorite shows. Um, but uh, it got to a point where it was kind of, it was a mutual thing between, you know, the band and myself. And, and I, and I decided to, go back to school and kind of do that thing and, and finish up my school. I kind of owed it to my family. I felt like, I don't know. Well, you were um, still straight at the time, right? Like <clears throat> I can imagine yeah. vibe wise, especially once Tarpy wasn't straight edge anymore, it became more and more, I guess, just personality differences. It was, I guess, but you know what, man, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think that stuff ever really bothered me that much. Like I've, I've just always kind of been the person of like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do and what I'm into. And like, if someone else isn't into it, then, then I'm not, you know, I'm not going to judge them for that. You know, like I, I try to, I, I feel like, and that's probably something like talking about how my mom treated students and stuff, you know, that, that that's just the mentality I've always had. And I yeah. still do. I feel like a lot of this was building up to some of the stuff that, is actually going to probably be somewhat interesting. <laughs> Dude, no, this is, believe me, this is the bread and butter of this show. But yeah, you're saying like you kind of, you know, I think when you cut out last time you were talking about how you, uh, your girlfriend was coming over and there was not enough room to lay down in the room. Yeah, you know, it, it just got to the point where I was like, you know, they were, they were going to be touring more and, and they're doing another LP. And I think we just kind of started going in, in different directions. And um, and that's when I, I left the band. And, uh, and, but there was never, it was always all good. Like there was never, uh, there was never any like weirdness or anything, you know, it was like, it was a mutual thing. And I remember going, um, did you, uh, what I was asking before when it cut out was, do you, did you ever, uh, play at, I'm sure you guys played here or, 
or uh, or went to uh, Broken Neck, the or the venue. It was a uh, had like a half pipe in it. I don't think we ever did. Okay. Oh well, no, was that was that sorry the warehouse? Yeah. Yeah, we did. That's where we did our integrity cover set. Well, my 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 shop, uh, my where I build bikes. Yeah, yeah. Is literally next door to it. Oh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a it's it's just crazy how things come kind of full circle. Full circle, exactly. But uh, but that's where I first saw Iron Age without me playing bass in it. They had my buddy Logan was the bass player for a little bit, and and man, that was weird. You know? yeah, yeah. But I still thought it was fucking cool because, like, through this whole time, like I said, I mean, I was just such a huge fan of the band as as kind of silly as that sounds, you know, like being in the band. But it's just like. You know, it was it was interesting to see. So that that's when I started doing Coptic Times, and and uh, you know, we we uh we we put out a demo and then a seven inch, and uh, Sean from Youngblood put out our seven inch, which was pretty awesome of him. And and I always really really like Sean and everything he did or does rather, still mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and yeah, that's so that's how we got into Coptic Times. Did, did, were you guys supposed to put out something on schizophrenic records at any point? I think so. Okay. I think we had a plan and I was going to do, I was going to do an LP. Um, but really all that coincided with, I got my first, I finally got my first bike okay. and, uh, and I got this old Harley and, uh, and started working on it because I didn't have money to pay somebody else to work on it. And, once I started getting that like same rush from playing live music, playing in bands as I did, once I started riding motorcycles and like old motorcycles, like I was getting that same rush, but I wasn't having to deal with all these people in bands and like schedules and <laughs> you know, so it was super easy for me to be like, okay, you know what? No, nah, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Had you been around bikes growing up at all? No, I, I hadn't. And, and I remember, you know, seeing old photos. I mean, everybody's seen them now with the internet. It's like old time life photos of, of hell's angels in the sixties and stuff. And I remember, I don't, I was just like instantly drawn to that as well. Mm. Like as another kind of subculture, like I saw that and I was like, I want to do that one day. And, and I don't know. I've always been the type of person that's like 110% or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, there just became a time where where you know we're trying to organize people to have band practice and all this other shit and like you know Coptic Times started to do pretty well, I guess. Like, um, like I mean, people were digging it, and uh, and so we had the opportunity to tour and play some other shows, but but everybody's schedule didn't line up, and it, you know, and it got to be where I was just like, you know what, screw it, this this motorcycle stuff. Like I I mean. I'm obsessed over it. So I'm going to keep doing this, you know? So where were you learning to kind of do repairs on it from? Just, <laughs> just the internet, you know, oh, or, really? or getting into it. I bought this like 82 Harley shovel head and, uh, and, and my buddy Nick at the time, he, he, uh, he had, he had some bikes and he, um, he played in Coptic times and, and that's where I was first kind of introduced to like messing around with motorcycles and, and, and then I started learning how to ride and, and all that. Um, and, uh, he was really working on his own stuff. So that kind of, you know, that influenced me to start doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then it just became an obsession. So, 
But like now you obviously, you know, you fabricate them too. Where did you, where did you go to college? Or what did you go to college for? <laughs> I went to college for, uh, basically I got a degree in what equates to like statistics. Okay. Which is, which is funny. Totally applicable um, to your occupation now. Exactly. Or to my whole <laughs> life in general. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I went and I worked for a company for a couple of years that actually Nate Grace is the one who got me the job there who, who played in far from breaking. <laughs> and so this is like, you know, later in life, but, uh, he got me the job there and, uh, at this statistics company and I worked there for a couple of years and it was like a real job, you know, mm-hmm. like I got paid money and I was like, Whoa, I got money. I'm going to go and buy a, finally buy a motorcycle for myself. Like I didn't grow up. I mean, I grew up riding dirt bikes and four wheelers and stuff, but I never, you know, I never was around, around motorcycles really. And, um, but it was just something that, like I said, as soon as I got into it, I was like, this is the, that rush tenfold of what I was getting playing in front of a huge crowd with like iron age or something, you know, just riding it or, or working on it writing it and then knowing that you're the one who was working on it <laughs> yeah. and it being so sketchy that you're like um you know like it's it's i mean you're cheating death anytime you get on a motorcycle anyway it seems like you know mm-hmm. i'll tell you that to this day and, and i've and i don't know how many i've put over a hundred thousands of miles on a motorcycle you know and it's it's a it's it's definitely a rush you know it's 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 it was something that was compatible with the feeling i got of playing live mm-hmm. with a band um and so yeah i i never went to so i never went to school for any of the like fabrication or anything i just i got so obsessed with everything that i had my full-time job and i'm sitting at a desk and i knew right away i was like this is not what i want to do and you know steve steve norman had gone and become a firefighter and or you know had gone through all that training and everything and like to me that's a a very very respectable job you know you're i mean like you're putting your life on the line to help people you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. and um and so i was looking for something like that like i wanted to i wanted to do something that i felt was meaningful um and not just like sit in front of a computer and watch netflix or whatever i was doing during the day um and and then working a little bit you know mm-hmm. as men so do I, at the office yeah right so i uh I, I ended up going to the Austin Speed Shop, which is a uh, <clears throat> which is a hot rod shop here. So it's all cars, nothing to do with motorcycles, and uh, and tried to apply for a job there. And they were like, "Well, I mean, you don't really have any experience in all this stuff, and you know, we you can come and like kind of intern in the showroom on like a kind of like sort of like a management kind of level, you know." Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I would work my 40, 50 hour a week job. And then after hours go and work there for another 20 hours a week for free. And I did that for a few months and, and, uh, until they, until they finally, you know, realized that like I was serious and wanted to learn all this stuff and they gave me a full-time job. So. It, it's kind of like, I guess, working the, the, the front of the shop at the tattoo shop before they let you apprentice type thing. Like you're paying your dues, I guess. Exactly. And, the, and that kind of thing just doesn't happen really anymore, man. There's not, there's, and I feel like there's a, there's definitely a push, a more push in the last maybe five or 10 years towards people wanting to get back into trades, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because 
I mean, like sitting at a computer all day is just bullshit, you know? And, uh, and for me, I, I wanted to do something that like was meaningful and, and affected people. And, uh, and so, and on top of that, I want to just be able to learn how to create something. So, um, so I, uh, when I got in at the speed shop, I was working on, you know, just kind of, um, office stuff, you know, cause I worked in an office before. So it was, it was more on the, like the management side in the showroom and stuff. And then after hours there, I would go and practice TIG welding, um, out in the shop. And then I just taught myself. So that's amazing. That's where all that kind of stemmed from. Cause it's all about repetition, you know? I mean, that's, you know, whatever, like a monkey can do it. I feel like, but, um, it's, it's, it's all about repetition and i guess it's just about how bad you want to do something you know yeah but like it's it's also like i guess you just immerse yourself in it too right at that point like it became it, well, it's your life yeah yeah no it became such an obsession that that uh i i wanted to do everything i could to make it like every aspect of my life you know that's yeah. all i thought about it's what i thought about when i went home it's what i thought about uh you know i i wanted to have it, it, it's kind of like with, uh, you know, music genres and, and, you know, and punk and hardcore and stuff. And like you, you, you hear bands you like, and then like, you want to know what, uh, what their influences were. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you go and listen to those records and then you want to know what those influences are. And then it like just takes you further and further back. So it was a similar thing for me with motorcycles is like, I got this shovel head, but then all I wanted was a pan head, which was the era before that. And it's like highly sought after stuff. Of course, I had to pick things that were expensive as hell, right? Yeah. So, so then you hustle your ass off and like try to figure out a way to to get that, you know. And then and then from there, I wanted a knucklehead, which was like you know the era before, which is super fucking rare. And and I just figured out ways to hustle and and make it happen. And it just became an obsession, the same way uh, music was before. And so now when you, when you build bikes, like, was that something that was like, when did you get into the idea of like a, a built bike or a custom bike? Uh, I mean, right off the bat, like I, I, I got my first bike and I wasn't, the first thing I did was started changing stuff on it, you know? Yeah. Like I wanted, I wanted a way to, uh, to make it, you know, my own and, and, uh, and kind of, you know, what I thought was cool. Right. Because especially coming from playing in bands and stuff, like everybody's a little snobby, right? Or like, or even like tattoos and stuff. Like everybody wants to have the coolest shit, right? Yeah. Like, you know, and, and so it was a similar thing. Like I was drawn to what I thought was cool and the people that I look up to. And so, uh, right off the bat, I was already customizing stuff, but it's, uh, not until I started to learn how to TIG weld and actually learn from uh, metal fabricators that were working at the speed shop because they were top of the world, the guys they would hire there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, I'd start learning from them on different techniques and stuff. And, and I just kind of developed my own thing with it. Dude, this has been awesome, Matt. And I could honestly punish you for way longer. Um, but can you come back at some point for a part two? Yeah, for sure. Dude, um, but- <laughs> 
yeah. I will say, um, let, let me touch on one little thing and I'll try not to rant. No, but, dude. Uh, I don't know if you got to see that we did, um, uh, well, Iron Age has played a handful of shows and then, uh, I got the opportunity to play like a medley of a few songs from like Constant Struggle and stuff, um, at a show in Houston with Judge. I saw and, that. Man, it was so fucking cool. And, uh. And it and like you said, it's just so cool to see everybody's directions they've gone in, you know, like Wade being a lawyer and yeah. and, and and you know Jason doing blacksmithing, and uh, and Steve is a firefighter, and then <laughs> I'm in a one percent motorcycle club, you know, <laughs> like it's it's funny like just how the paths everybody's gone down, and then I do what I do as far as like my work you know and have my own business but uh it's wild to try and find which one of you guys went on the most divergent path you know <laughs> like it's like because tarpy went like you know granted his profession makes sense given the name of the band being iron age and stuff but like you have to go to another time to to find that profession that he does you For know sure. so it, it's like it's very shocking but i think wade being a lawyer i don't know but you're ever all you guys like all you guys. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's got to be a toss up between Wade and myself. I think. I think so. I think that would be it too. <laughs> yeah. um, I think if if it gone the other way, I could see it a lot more. Like if Wade no, sure. was sure. now you know like part of a one percent bike club and you were a uh, and you were a lawyer, I could see that a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of lawyers, but not <laughs> one. Um, <laughs> that's uh, the first thing i said to wade whenever whenever uh because because i stopped going kind of going to shows for a while and stuff and kind of you know went into my own and what i was doing and then when i started going back and i'd see those guys and whatnot um you know when wade when i found out wade what well, wade was doing and stuff i was like well that's good to know wade i might need your help one day <laughs> uh, uh well i was also not going to let you go though without you telling us this uh rocky erickson story so I've sat down and thought about it before and I know you've experienced this, I'm sure, because man, I mean, I've seen you like you've been around so many different people that people are considered that can are considered celebrities. I mean, you're a celebrity to me. So, but, uh, but you know, like, you know how people like nerd out or like, or like are, are starstruck and stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and I've, and I've, you know, I've been, I've had an opportunity to be around different celebrities, like through the bike thing, I've done different TV things and all kinds of BS and it, it was all kind of dumb. Right. But, but, uh, but I've never had, and I think it's just maybe the way I was raised or what, but I've never had that like starstruck feeling about anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, the closest thing I've ever had to that. And I was telling somebody this the other day was I was at the grocery store, which is HEB here. And uh, my neighborhood grocery store one day, and I'm standing there with like a shopping cart, and uh, and with my my uh, girlfriend at the time, and and uh, and I look over and I'm like, I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> and she's like, what What's up? And I was like, That's Rocky Erickson. And uh, and she's like, No, it's not. And I'm like, Yeah, that's Rocky Erickson. And he's like picking out like a package of hot dog wieners, you know. And I'm like, holy, and that's like the first time I've ever been like starstruck, right? And I'm like, holy shit, that's Rocky Erickson. So like my, my first intuition is like, what the fuck is Rocky Erickson buying at the grocery store? You know, because yeah. usually he's with someone from his family or something. And, 
and uh, and they may have been waiting on him or something. But Rocky's not necessarily the guy that like you go up to and be like, "Hey, Ro- hey, Rocky, I'm I'm a big fan. I just wanted to say hi," you know? Yeah. Like it, it's not like that kind of thing or whatever. So I was like, "I'm I'm I'm interested in see what Rocky Erickson's buying," and he literally walked to the checkout and was buying a package of hot dog wieners, and so. That's my Rocky Erickson story. Dude, um, I met him one time when – because that's my my wife and I, when we got married, we walked down the aisle to Love the Living You. You know, and awesome. we, we met him and we're like, oh, my God. Like, I'm like, it's an honor. We're like, we walked down the aisle to you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like – just looks and smiles and is like, yep. And it's like, okay. That was, <laughs> that was the experience. That's so good, man. Yeah, um, I mean, like, like it, it's so funny for me because I, I don't know why this came up. I think someone was just talking about like a friend of mine and how starstruck they were around him and stuff. And, and, uh, and I've just never had that feeling around people. Like anytime I meet somebody that is what someone would consider a celebrity, like, I feel like the opposite. Like I want, I feel like going out of the way to like, not even let them acknowledge that I know who they are. You know what I mean? <laughs> because in, in the grand scheme of things, like the people like that are like that big of celebrities and stuff, like, it's just weird for them to be treated like regular people, mm-hmm. you know? That's also and, like an Austin thing too, right? Like how many times do you see like at South by Southwest, like maybe it's not like this anymore, but like back then, like Bill Murray at a random house party afterwards, like, you know, like people just like, like celebrities were just like there and just part of like the scene. Yeah. And I feel like everybody, everybody's usually pretty cool about it here. Like I, I have one buddy who is, is uh well known here and he's a, and an athlete and I, I met him through one of my customers and I've brought him out to a couple of the bars and like even people, I mean, he can't go in his city. He can't go anywhere. Yeah. Like he's like, he literally can't go anywhere. And like he, he's not an inconspicuous looking person. He's like, he's a, he's a big guy. So yeah. it's like, it, you know, and, and I've taken him to a place, a couple of places in Austin and people are like, for the most part, super, super respectful. Yeah. I've and, even uh, seen celebrities get knocked out in Austin because they thought they were <laughs> too big for their britches. Yeah. Well, that's Texas, man. That's Texas. <laughs> oh, Matt, as I say, dude, this has been like uh, a thrill to have you on, man, and catch up with you because as I say, like incredibly proud of like, you know, knowing you and the work you've accomplished and like what you've done in your field, dude, from, from, uh, you know, Coptic times to, the present times, which are kind of Coptic times as well. They are, aren't they? No, it's more like idiocracy. Idiocracy. Um, We're living it. Yeah. Real life. Uh, yeah, Damien, thanks so much, man. I hope, I hope some of this makes sense. Cause I'm, I, like I said, man, I, I go on, I tend, I tend to uh, rant, but, uh, but, um, but I just appreciate everything, man. I, I am honored to be a, be on here and talk to you and, and, uh, and I can't thank you enough. Awesome, buddy. Well, part two's coming up too, right? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Matt, for coming on the show. And Matt will be back again for a part two in the future. But speaking of future, we're going to keep it Texas because next week on the show, also from Texas, but a very different experience that ultimately leads them to getting into the same sort of music, though. Fat Tony, an amazing rapper, host of an incredible show on Super Deluxe, a friend of mine, someone that I'm a big fan of, and it's 
top 10 episodes of all time next week on the show. Thank you everyone for listening. Go out there and make your own culture. Go out there and do your own thing. Please remember to sign your organ donors card and to donate your organs because by the time they come looking for them, you're not going to need them, but they will make all the difference to someone else. And I will see you next week. Bye everyone. Love you. Thank you.